Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another week of Scurry and the Scrub. I am very excited for this week. We have two guests, and it will be great because now we don't just have to listen to Matt and I ramble off about God knows what. We're going to have some real structure and some real insight this episode. So uh, without me rambling too much, let's intro. I got my man, Tyler Clement. My former teammate, I guess, is that, I guess, maybe one of the best walk-ons to ever do it? I guess, is that the highlight we can go with? I mean, I mean, Doug was a walk-on his senior year, so. Yeah, when you, when you, you use go. that comparative. Early with the negative, Matt, stop. That's like, not negative, it's facts. Remember anyway. facts, we're done being reasonable. Just give it a second. Facts, okay. facts, anyway. remember? Forgot right. that yep. two weeks ago. Anyway, and then we have our next guest, <laughs> Jalen Agnew, our, the first ever Creighton women's draftee. I guess that's the that's the we'll, we'll, we'll level Lee, that one. Lee that, you, do you like to go with that? Is that your yeah? Is that your good intro <laughs> point? Sure. <laughs> Big East Player of the Year too, right? Big East Player of the Year. Yep. We can go in there. Creighton fellow alumni. I guess weird. Weird. Right? You guys got to Alum. graduate though. I didn't get that. I'm still better yeah. about it. It's fine. <laughs> but anyway, welcome guys. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. How we all we're all good. 2020 was crazy, crazy year. I know for everybody. So everyone doing well. Families, every, everyone good. First and foremost. And good. Yeah, trying to stay healthy. You know, basics. Ready for this to be over, but everyone needs to stay masked up and distancing. Okay, preface that. Absolutely. <laughs> everyone listening, please keep doing that. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Tyler, how are you now, man? Everything well. good. You're, you're getting into coaching now, huh? I am. That? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. uh, you know, we, we're, the season's still going on with a lot of COVID mandates, but, uh, things are going well here and Kansas City for me personally and the family's good. So I can't really complain. Obviously like everyone else has said, we're just looking forward to COVID being over and getting back to some normalcy, but everything's good on my end. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. whatever next steps are coming from this all for, all purposes, sports for everyone, just to get back to something to have. Mm-hmm. So it's good. But so you both are in up, KC. I just signed up You're for both in Kansas. The, I just signed up for like that vaccine update where they're like, "Hey, uh, we'll tell you when you can come get your vaccine." That step, I just crossed that part of it off. So mm. I'm a little <laughs> bit more. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I'm ready for them to tell me when I can come get my shot in like four months or whatever it's going to be. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we all. I hope we all can. So. Mm-hmm. Figure that out sooner than later, you know. But so you guys are both in Kansas, KC, Missouri. Where where are we all at now? I'm in Wichita. So yeah, Wichita. A couple hours from KC. So yeah. back home, home. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, and I'm I'm in Kansas City on the Kansas side. So Kansas both City, fellow Kansas. Kansans here. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. So excited. I guess the first thing we could jump into really is just this with KC. If we want to jump into the Super Bowl, how we how we feeling? How we feeling? We're obviously feeling good. Like, come on, Are you kidding? Me? I mean, of course. We're what's the, what's the good, spread? You... What's the spread? Is KC favored? Like, I don't even I even check. Yeah, it. about three, three and, three and a half. half. Ooh, yeah, that's kind of hovering around that. Wow. Okay, that's uh, Brady can handle that. Brady can handle. That's three. what I'm saying. Is <laughs> so now? I guess I don't get to come at it from a New England fan perspective, but the. The goat, like, how does it? Has it? Are you are you nervous at all? There's no, there's no nervousness, not nothing. Jalen, I'll let you go first. Yeah, you're confident. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. 
I don't know. It's funny, like, when Matt asked me to do this, because he said, like, Brady versus Chiefs fans versus, like, Tampa versus Chiefs. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, confident, excited. Um, you know, just based on the posts and everything from the guys, like, I know them, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, of course. Of <laughs> I feel course. pretty confident, too. They're ready and, you know, locked in, engaged. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun one. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited too, Jordan. I'm, I'm interested and we can come back to this later, how the new England fans are looking at it. Are they team Tom? Are they team Belichick who they're rooting for in that scenario? I'm sure there's a mixed, I'm sure it's mixed, but uh, for me, I'm, I'm excited for the game. I, I think, I think we match up pretty well. Cause I feel like we're like being here last year, we're not going to be as nervous. So I don't think anybody will be as nervous um, kind of, going into the game as they would have been last year having that experience but the only thing I'm worried about from a Chiefs perspective would be like our offensive line if we can't protect Mahomes mm-hmm. because we lost Eric Fisher our right tackle last game so, or left tackle last game so like you know that's going to be iffy because the Bucks have a pretty good defense but other than that I still feel good though it's it's weird to be a Chiefs fan and not be worried like yeah. I, I, no, swear, always, I swear there's a bunch of lies coming out of your guys' mouth right now because you guys have not sh- – you guys aren't shaking off this, like, whole this Chiefs history yet. Like, you well, got your ring, but you're still – days ago, yeah, we would have been. You. Yeah, even going into the Super Bowl last year, we were obviously still nervous. And, um, yeah, it's, it's funny how that happens, but how quickly that happens. But, obviously, you know, it's still going to be a – probably a tough game but i don't know it's weird this postseason was a lot weirder i don't know how it was for you jalen but like not being as like nervous i was still really nervous going into the games but it's like same time it's like all right we we should take care of business and this is probably what patriots fans have felt like forever Mm -hmm. it is it's the dynasty mode yeah dynasty mode i would say very similar like i'm like okay like we should win this and then like I get to the beginning of the game and I'm like, okay. Um. <laughs> then, then, then the nerves kick in when the game gets closer. Exactly. During yeah. the week, you're kind of like, nah, we should be good. And exactly. That'll be the that'll be the same thing next week too. I think as yeah. the game actually happens, then it's like, oh, okay, here we go. That, Matt would, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say Matt would be like, so how do you feel like one to ten? I'm like, um, it's like the first quarter. I'm like, um, eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's what I was like, gonna say. Like during the Cleveland game, uh, what was it? You, I don't know. You guys weren't putting touchdowns on the board or whatever. So it was like uh, they're they're in control, but they're not like dominating. And then uh, you know Patrick gets choked out essentially, which is the weirdest like concussion yeah, protocol injury we've had so far. Like it wasn't a concussion; it was just like he went out. Yeah, just got choked out. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> it just got choked out. All good. He'd come back. Yeah. Um, and then Cleveland starts making it a game a little bit, and so I was like what's your what's your anxiety level at right now like zero to ten i think the first update was like a six and then <laughs> what did i say I'll, chad henny started like driving a little bit making some good plays and i was like andy reed the qb whisperer like he's he'll be you guys you guys are good and then he throws that like arm punt <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> like where are you going with that ball dude and it gets picked yeah. i go oh my god completely disregard and she's like 11 11 right now yeah. 11 like it's like okay this is this is going to be nerve-wracking yeah no that i should say i should clarify as soon as mahomes went down that game yes the nerves were well above 10 at that point because it's like we're just of hanging course. out for dear life and then hoping that it's like okay and then as soon as we won it's like okay we can hopefully get him back next game and obviously mm-hmm. once he gets to the protocol and so you no know, yeah that was, it, honestly that was 
I don't mean to interrupt, but like I, I'm saying that one was torture for me because I really thought it was going to end up being the Browns playing the Bills. And I've been giving my rants on this podcast for a little while that I hate the Bills because like it's just now everyone thinks it's the Bills time to run our division. It is. And I'm like, what? And so anyway, <laughs> we're just, like I'm really upset about it and I don't like it. And like I just also don't like Bills fans the same way like Stephen A. Smith doesn't like Cowboys fans. I just don't like Bills fans. And so like I really thought it was I was like, oh, of course, now it's going to be bills and browns and the bills are going to go to the super bowl and i'm just going to be so upset because the patriots just couldn't even i don't think anybody feels together. bad for you though it's fine no no one no <laughs> that's one what i keep world. telling him no, that's why i have to no but sorry this is why i have to get this out on this podcast because like that's no fair. one feels bad for me so this is yeah. my platform that's fair that's fair that's what i'm saying 20 no. years it's like what do you want man god like holy no. crap i'm spoiled i'm spoiled let me be spoiled well i told you yeah. to hop on the break i told you it's what i say it's okay to love again because brady was i'm on like, it starting on to it. rip through he also i he was, was like wait till like they beat new orleans then i'll maybe first six weeks yeah yeah so i guess hit that so who are who are you rooting for in the super bowl and who are patriots fans like how what's the dynamic there as patriots fans most patriots ever most patriots fans are all rooting for Tom Brady because they're like this man delivered us he's six the goat. championships. Yeah. He's okay. the goat. He's the for goat. Now. He's our yeah. goat. How can we not? And also with Gronk too, he's the guy. And there's just still so much. It's bought man. TV twelve brand. Every it's still everything. It's at every yeah. market. All the anything. It's just there. The, they still the sell Brady method. jerseys in the mall more than any jersey like you see anywhere yeah. or whatever. It's all Brady. I would and like so, the, Vito, the Gronk is still the man comment. Um, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> what? That's just false. <laughs> well, like, do you mean the man in the sense of, like, he's just obviously that dude? Or are you saying, Jalen, like, he's as far as best tight end? Best tight end. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. That's what I would have, I mean. I mean, like, in terms of just, what. Just he's Gronk. Yeah. That's, How I, they hold him at. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. That a little bit, but that's what I, I mean. That because that's the thing. Like everybody's talking about the the goat versus baby goat with Patrick and mm-hmm. and Brady, but it's like there's also some of that with Gronk and 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 Travis. Like Gronk is like easily historically like the best tight end in the game, right? Like that's not you put that. Yeah, one I think, away. You put that one I, think away. I think Kelsey's gonna get it though. Kelsey's gonna get it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's like it's I almost do, like yeah. this is passing of the torch moment. Because so the old dudes are sitting there going. If we get them this time, they can't pass us because we have the mm-hmm. head-to-head. That's the one thing the LeBron and MJ and MJ Kobe thing never happened. Mm-hmm. There wasn't yeah. ever the head-to-head clash True. to settle it. That's what True. Sunday's, yeah, that, that's what Sunday's it, about. It's like goat versus baby goat. If Patrick in both gets positions, him, in both positions. Yeah, if Patrick yeah. gets him, if Mahomes gets him, like he's gonna it's he's gonna run away with this thing. Yeah, he's, he's got a path. Yeah. Yeah, but if Brady beats him again, because that'll be an AFC championship on his home, on Patrick's home field. Right. Yeah. And that'll be a super bowl in Brady's home stadium. Um, but that'll be two Oh, like there won't be, a, there won't be a path for Mahomes being the goat. If he doesn't beat Brady in the super bowl, I don't yeah, think he'd have, to, he'd have to win about eight mm-hmm. <laughs> to get there basically. But yeah, yeah, it's the goat talk in general is just hilarious. Like as a sports debate, you know, the Jordan oh, MJ, of course, because now it's there's so many different angles you can attack it, especially as a team sport. But um, it, that it is, you know, even as a cat, if you were a casual fan, not a fan of either team, it's pretty 
interesting to see as like the, like you said baby goat versus goat that's what everyone's gonna want to talk about so mm-hmm. it's, it's exciting i mean it's just at the end of the day who would you rather be you got to be on the team that won so that's how you that's how i associate it like yeah, yeah it's a team sport but we know who the, who's leading the show so with brady especially with brady's run if he finishes it off like he went on the road uh to beat breeze he went on the road to beat rogers and then he would beat Mahomes for the Super Bowl like and 43 years old 43 yeah so crazy 43 that's first year incredible. with a new team that's never won the Super Bowl before or hasn't yeah. won it since what oh three two no. yeah two or yeah. three whatever it was yeah you guys are yeah, making so. me nervous because you're like talking it like speaking into existence I'm he like, does this no he does this to me too. he does this to me too that's my talent he does this to me too he loves to he loves to like tell you the scenario you don't want to hear uh-huh and like make it sound so realistic to make you nervous so it's, yeah, that's just don't that's my main skill as a chief fan you don't play into his, his baby goat first goat talk so i'm just getting more nervous again well i mean no, that's the thing because you are facing the goat so you have to deal with greatness to win to like it's not you're not facing san francisco this year like san francisco was kind of in the same boat as kansas city they were just that hungry team um mm-hmm. with that young quarterback that was kind of like trying to break through into dynasty mode which is where we all agree Casey's there, right? Like they're mm-hmm. in dynasty mode right now. Patrick's what? 12 year contract, $400 trillion. What was it for? Like, Yeah, that's the hope. I mean, I think obviously we get this one, it'll feel a lot better, but I think in the NFL, you can't really like take things for granted, I guess, because it just changes years over years. Like look at the Packers when they won with Rodgers, what, 10 years ago, they haven't even been back to the Super Bowl. Saints only got one with Breeze. So it's like, you know, it's not not that that's a nervous thing. It's just like you got to get multiple if you've got a guy like Mahomes and mm-hmm. if it's Andy Reid connected. That so. really doesn't start until two. At least I, I think you could argue that too is maybe not even a dynasty, but it's yeah. I don't know. I I just could never bet against Tom Brady. Okay. Yeah, I just wouldn't bet against Brady. I never – I couldn't ever get myself to ever say that. I, like, as much as I'm like, I think the Chiefs are a good team and I think they have a good chance of winning, I can't be like, oh, no, they're going to win. I'm just I, – I, I've seen Tom Brady – pull off things that I didn't even think you could pull off as a fan. So, Well, that's why I was telling you a couple weeks ago. Not that I'm not a fan anymore. It's okay to love again because (laughs) – Shut up. You don't bet against a goat. If a goat loses for you, it just like you have to take it because if you bet against him, you look like a fool most of the time. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't – and when when Mahomes gets into that territory where he is – I mean, let's just say he wins this one and rips off more – you never bet against that, and you just got to live with taking the L if you ride with it and he loses. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's got to shock you almost. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you should never bet against him. Jordan, how you were saying, like, Mahomes has more to lose or whatever. So, would you say, like, so, for example, if Mahomes has more to lose, um, do you think, like, he's he'd be playing for more, like, giving him that extra, like, oomph versus, like, Brady – being like sure like obviously he wants it like no one's not gonna want it but he wants it but like it's not as big for him so it like 
You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, that's a good... I like I I get where you're coming from. Like I do think there is some I guess there's a part of the Tom Brady you could be like what like he's 43 made it to the Super Bowl. He's like what like more do I got like I I'm here like now I just got to whatever and Mahomes is more so like no I got to go get this because this dude's been doing it and and now it's like mine to go get. For sure I think there's a little bit of that, but I don't think Tom I think Tom Brady's such a competitor that yeah. he's like Nah, I, I, I'm, he's not even, he was only ready. Like he was, he really kicked in the drive. Like that's what I mean about the Tom Brady's and the LeBron's. They really just kick in the drive when the playoffs happen. I feel like that's what, this is what he's been plotting on. And I've like gone on for how I think he was so strategic about even going to Tampa Bay where I was like, why is he going here? And then he's out the AFC. Yeah. yeah. And then, through, <laughs> but then throughout the season to see like, what their roster was and how it like just was beneficial for yeah. him and everything that went on throughout the year and how then they get a B and how that all goes. So I just thought now he's ready to, he's easy. I think he has an edge. I think both of them have an edge and both of them have like this super competitive, like, both of them. Yeah. yeah. Super competitive that I'm ready to prove something to whoever they both have that. I'm ready to prove something mentality to them that I think is about to come out in this Super Bowl. And I'm excited. I don't know. And I really – I wouldn't know who to say is really going to do it. I'm, I'm going with Tom just because I, I can Why are you still wavering on this? What, I've, what do you mean wavering? you like – Because you know, I'm like – This whole, like, waffle. And like, I, I don't know who's going to come I told out. you. I'm hoping for a good game. Like, what are you – What? I am. I'm hoping I thought we crossed this bridge already where you're like – Shoot out hella touchdowns. But I don't know. I gotta go with Tom Brady. If I if you I, I told Matt if you put a gun to my head and made me pick, I'm gonna go with Tom Brady. He was like, it shouldn't take all that. It shouldn't, it shouldn't. take. And I'm all like, that. no, it does. Like I think the Chiefs are that good. Like I think the Chiefs are good. Yeah. So you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you put a gun to my head, but you pick Michael Jordan number hearts. one. Like you don't have to put a gun to my head. I would pick him number one. It's fine. Like you don't. Your have to... brain's telling you that you want the yeah, Chiefs, like, but your heart's I'm telling to make you Tom Brady. Smart sports takes now like i'm not trying to like get on record and like i'm trying to like actually do this now so i'm like not trying to be ridiculous and dramatic like and, and emotional but yeah i don't know if you've been I, like, I like to the to the sports debate culture but being emotional pays the bills these days apparently so hot takes pay the bills. yeah you got to come yeah. with the hottest takes and ride them so i Even think you run to the head is a pretty hot take like that's that's what it would take for me to have to bet even against Tom Brady, and I still yeah, because you were it. super nervous against the Packers too. And you're like, why are you talking like they got this wrapped up? I'm like, because they have it wrapped up. Like Brady's got it. Yeah, but Matt's also not stupid. Are you guys superstitious? Either of you? I mean, I would say I'm a little bit like we've been wearing like the same outfits <laughs> every for games. Day. Yeah, I did that when we in, when we played the seat when the playoffs. I don't even remember the year when we Malcolm Butler's interception. I wore the same sweatshirt every game of the playoffs yeah matt, i've definitely done understand. stuff like that before. you've never met matt you ne- you've never been part of like a winning sunday culture like you don't get it like, I'm, a- I'm a yankees fan i'm a bulls fan like i've i've won more it's championships different though when it's only once a week like yankees what are you gonna do every every game like yeah you have a- yeah yes yeah there's like seven game series and so how sports. do you not get my superstition then? How do you not get like don't jinx this? Don't talk about why because I'm rooting for goats, man. I don't need to be superstitious when I got goats on my side. You understand what I'm saying to you? When I'm like rocking with like Jeter and Jordan 
I don't need to worry because oh, they're, okay. you know what I'm saying? They're winners. Okay. That's all okay. they do. Makes sense. For, I just don't, I don't worry about it. About like literally everything. Like for example, the guys game yesterday, um, my mom and I were watching it downstairs and my dad was watching it upstairs and wasn't obviously going so great. And my dad came downstairs and started pulling away. He was like, well, I have to stay down here then. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. you do. <laughs> like little stuff like that. We like mm-hmm. always do stuff like that. I don't know why, but, or like, when when was it um KU like whenever I don't even know um but we kept having to go to this restaurant every game because they were doing so well whenever we were just at that restaurant and we went like every game like an NCAA tournament so we're like really superstitious about that so I'll be repping my Trav jersey um just ready to rock and roll yeah, you've been rocking the Trav jersey for game days like since the Wubble, right? Like that was your yeah, yeah. Game, day for, game day fit. Game day fit. It was our first, I think it was our first game. You know, he commented on the Insta. So I was living my best life. Um, <laughs> I literally, I don't think like everyone in the Wubble knew like how hype I was. Um, and then apparently this is like probably like weird information but people were thinking that I was like dating some guy in the NFL because I was like so like freaking out about trap <laughs> I'm like dude I wish like I know. Trap, yeah but no because they like people had overheard like how excited I was that he had like commented and so people thought I was like dating someone in the NFL it was crazy you're all like why did you hear something does he like me yeah I'm like <laughs> someone talking you know? like, <laughs> exactly uh like but I don't know. Like, that's the thing with like superstition. Like, I just don't know. Uh, that someone asked me last night on the post game podcast for the ball game. Like they were like, when did you, when were you confident that Creighton was going to win? And I was like, tip off when they tip the ball off. Cause they're playing DePaul. And I mean, Max, like Max, like 16 and one against DePaul now in his career, you can pretty much take that one to the bank. Right. Like, why would yeah, you wait, be nervous? Why wait. would you be nervous for that? TC, have you ever, did you ever lose to DePaul? We did um, probably like my my redshirt freshman year, I'm guessing. Yeah, that for that first game. That was probably the game the game that we lost, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Never lost. Never yeah. lost. Yes, but did I mean do, that's the yeah. only one. That's the only game. That's gotta be it. I'm guessing that was the year if I had to guess, but yeah. Yeah. So it's like when were you when were you nervous? I I mean, first of all, never. Like they're playing DePaul. Like DePaul's gonna find a way. To not win that game. Call it. Yeah, I said that at the end. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> not to mention, like, if we're just getting into that, like, I just feel like they're not – I just feel like Charlie Moore's not – sometimes I think with a point guard, um, if he's your best player, but he also is turnover prone and a volume shooter, I think there's, like, a net negative value to what he brings. So with him being out for DePaul, they didn't have a high turnover – high volume point guard on the floor for them. So I just felt like that made them better in a weird yeah. way. It created more opportunities for other guys to get comfortable. Yeah. For sure. Cause what was that? There's something the transfer went off. Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something to that too, from, you know, our preparation standpoint, if you have Charlie Moore there, you know, that's the guy we're going to focus on. That's who their offense is going to focus on. Exactly. When that doesn't happen, then it's anybody's guess where that transfer went off. He hadn't been in that role yet. So we just, it's tougher to prepare for, I guess. And obviously, you know, every game's different. But um, I think there is something to say about that when a guy goes down that's not the main guy. The rest of the team can kind of just pick up the slack and you don't really know who's going to do it if you're playing a team the first game like that without their without their guy. So, 
interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just don't get nervous like in situations like that. Sports don't make me nervous. I mean, sports make me nervous when I don't know. I guess I'm trying to think like back to some of the Bulls days when I first got nervous for an MJ. When he started getting like a little bit older in his mid 30s and they were at the end of that run, like everything everybody saw on the last dance, that year was entirely nerve wracking because what? Because the chemistry was off. The you knew it was the end of the run, and you were like, "Please don't let them it lose the last final run. year of this this like amazing run. Don't let them go out on that note, you know." And you just yeah. knew how like MJ wasn't right. His knees were busted up and. You know, Scotty was always banged up, and Rodman was a loose cannon. And you're just like, this thing is a ticking time bomb. Can they actually get it to the finish line? And you know, going seven with Indy, and you're just like, jeez. Oh, uh, and then just you know, then then the goat does the goat thing again, and it's like, oh yeah, that's right. That's why. It, that's but why this is so. This is what I think the difference is, though. So like, you're if you're gonna go Bulls and Yankees, the difference is that like. Through in the Patriots dynasty, the reason I get nervous is like in the Patriots dynasty, like we lost those to the, the Giants, right? Yeah. So it was like, yeah, even during the dynasty, we lost some. So even in the championship, it was like, yo, don't jinx this because like we've lost here mm-hmm. before, like 16 and 0, we've lost here before. And so I think that's where that comes from. It's just a where matter like, of don't you gotta have it. faith in your Why goat. You, say that? you, I guess, like, yeah, but like you're like so, but like Jeter and and Mike rattled them off just like. like no, Jeter lost. He was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get some here. I'm gonna lose some. I'm gonna get some more. I'm gonna lose probably one, and then I'm gonna get some more. Like, yeah, I mean, Jeter, Jeter lost to the D backs. Uh, he lost to the D backs. Like there was some gave up three zero lead against the Red, the Red Sox. Sox there was some heartbreak in there. The Red Sox took a yeah. Red Sox were the first team to come back from. You want to know like championship heartbreak. Your rival, you're up 3-0 on him. You just absolutely worked him over, like, historically in game three. And then oh, – I remember. And then – It was great. You know, Dave Roberts decides the to steal the yeah. – yeah, he those stolen bases literally changed the whole rivalry because they were left for dead. And then all of a sudden they became a dynasty <laughs> because they came back from 0-3 and now they just – oh, we're going to win championships like it's our job now after 100 years of futility. So I mean, it flips quick. That's what you're dealing with now, Jordan, because your dynasty ended, and you're not having fully embraced it yet. And that's what hopefully the Chiefs are dealing with. Their futility is flipping now. Yeah, yeah. All it takes is like once you get over the hump, you just you take off running. Essentially, all it takes is a Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it's not one of those like Raven Super Bowls where they had like a, you know, one of those lame duck non-franchise quarterbacks, and they rode a good defense on a hot arm for the playoff run, like. Mahomes is like the future of the league. So Casey, Casey's always going to have a shot as long as he's good. Like if he's healthy and he's playing, everything they put around him will be fine. Like whatever you can, you can say their defense isn't as good this year. Oh, he doesn't have as many pieces this year. Yeah, Mahomes so, is going to make it work. Also, that's what goats do. So that's why baby goat versus father goat is what's going down on Sunday because. Brady has always had these questions with his teams, which Jordan is trying to highlight why he's nervous. But at the end of the day, he's always there. I'm just nervous because I also, like, I was preaching for the first half, like, all season, like, never bet against, like, I was saying never bet against Patrick Mahomes, too. I was also, I was like, those are two dudes you just don't. And now I'm like, of course, now they're 
in the you're gonna bet against yeah <laughs> exactly and I, I mean i picked i'm like loyal to brady i'm like i can't i can't say he's not gonna do it he's gonna so, pull off some let's forget the emotional part of thought it. he could do Let's forget the emotional right. part of it. Forget the sh- forget the emotional part where we're all like nervous and trying to work around our feelings. Just call your shots. Like everybody, go on record because this thing goes down in a week, and yeah. there needs to be shame handed out after the fact. You know, we can't we can't just sit here and and be like, yeah, I'm kind of nervous. We'll see what happens. Nope, we're not doing that today. So I'm rocking Brady because I believe he is the one true goat. <laughs> Of, of NFL QBs. So there's just too much of a sample size for me that I love Patrick. I think he's going to be the stud, but I've already seen Brady go into his house and beat him. So like there, he already drew blood essentially for me. I'm like, okay, yeah, we, we, he already killed the false God once and he's going to do it again. So in his first year as a starter with terrible defense, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Bring which, that. Which Mahomes, yes. In which Mahomes put up 31 in the second half and then didn't get to touch the ball in overtime. That's yeah. why didn't he get to touch the ball in overtime, though? Because of the defense. No, no, no. Not, not because of wait, Bailey, wait, wait, because wait. we decided wait. not to guard Element on any third down and just let him slant over the middle three who straight the, times. Who had the ball, though? I'll remember how – yeah, that was just like the second um, over and over again. Remember Rex Burkhead had the ball in the end zone. Mm, okay. Shut up. So that's Shut the thing. Up. Why are we doing this? I, I, I don't know who I was chatting with, but like as soon Whatever. as the Patriots won the toss for overtime, Rexy, Rexy. it was over. It's over. It was going to be over either yeah. way. Yeah. Ball game. Wherever, wherever However long it, this but... takes, it's ball game right here. Patrick can go to the well, let's, okay, let's, let's do that. Let's do score predictions. Let's do score predictions. That's what I wanted okay. to do. That's okay. what I wanted to do. All right, go first, TC. Um, I've got Chiefs 37, Bucks 31. Okay, so shoot out. Jordan? Yeah, but it's going to be 37-24. Brady will kind of <laughs> oh, get so a it's garbage like one of those... touchdown. The, the Chiefs won't win by enough, just like everybody said all year. Okay, so they cover the spread, but they're up double, double two touchdowns most of the way is what you're saying? Yes, yeah, I think so. The only way I, – I see this going down where, like, Brady really makes a statement. So I'm going to go, like, Bucks 41, Chiefs, oh. like, 38. Oh, okay. I was I, I was expecting it like a forty. I thought you were still going like a blowout. No, there. no, 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 no. I was going to remind but, you that. But for Brady, because bro, Brady to put up forty-one in a Super Bowl at forty-three—that's going to be crazy. Yeah. Or it, what, the yards he's going to have to like—it's going to be a go-off game. I have, I, I really, I have a crazy. I guess it's a crazy prediction, but I think AB is going to go off. I think it's going to be a. It's going to be a. Brady's going to do his thing. It's going to be a Brady classic. Jalen? Maybe I'm just hope- Maybe that's now I'm getting emotional on Brady. Maybe now I'm just getting hopeful on Brady again. Here we go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I had to bring that out of you. Whatever. I literally <laughs> suck at score predictions. Okay. So <laughs> I don't even know like good football scores. That's probably bad. But um, he thinks the Chiefs are going to lose. That's that. That's what's no, coming on. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> but I was going to say like, Probably like two C like thirties, somewhere in the thirties. Um, but I think we'll win by I would say this is tough. I don't know if we're gonna have a full touchdown, but I like the three to six range. So you're taking the over. So I I like I like 
that. Yeah. Yeah. The, so it's a three point. It's a three point spread. Do the Chiefs cover the spread? Basically, is what. Yeah. yeah. Isn't isn't that thing like you always take the over? Is not what <laughs> <laughs> the thing. Um, but yeah, I think that's what that's what I think is gonna happen. Chiefs might get down at the beginning, but we're gonna bring it back up. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a Brady methodical type of game. I also love uh, Tampa Bay's pass rush. And like Mahomes is Mahomes is, uh, you know, he's got escapability and he can make ridiculous plays on the move. But if you get him early a couple times, he gets that little hobble going (laughs) and I worry about his health for like 30 minutes. So, uh, yeah, I feel like Tampa Bay's D line is going to work over the chiefs O line to the point where Mahomes is just constantly facing pressure. And, uh, I don't know. There's something about Brady when it's like game time that his O line is just locked in and keeps him. But he also knows he has great feel in the pocket, where he doesn't take he doesn't take like stupid hard hits. Whenever he feels the pressure, he kind of just lays down, (laughs) so so he doesn't fumble or get blasted. Mm. He probably would die because he's you know an old man, right? So it's smart. Um, So I think I'm going. I think I'm going to go Tampa 31. Chiefs twenty three because it'll get weird. They'll get weird wow. trying to chase. They'll get weird trying to chase points. You think Chiefs only twenty three. I think I think at some point Tampa will be up three scores in this game. At some point. Wow. wow. That's that. I think that's what like Mahomes will get beat up early. Tampa will build a like a seventeen nothing lead ish, and then it'll start getting weird where Casey just starts ripping off drives, but there won't be enough. Like Brady will make enough plays to hold him off because that's what he does. So that's what I'm going with. I don't think it's like one of those where like, it could be one of those where it's like Atlanta, the Atlanta game where KC gets off super hot, but I don't think when you, when KC gets super hot, you shut them off. I think you're getting 50 at that point. Yeah. Like, I agree. I, know, I, if KC's I up 28 think, to three, they're winning just, 55 to 10 is what I'm. But I think if, if they're going to go up 50 to 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think if, 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 if Tampa's going up three touchdowns, three scores. Mahomes is coming out. Three scores? Three scores. Okay, three yeah. scores. Three scores. Three scores. Because their hope will still three be months. alive. The whole, you know, Mahomes can get okay, too okay. quick and then okay. it'll be a game again. That's what I was about to say. I'm yeah. Like, I don't know. Tampa goes up three touchdowns and you're only saying they're putting up, what did you say, 27? 23. 23. 31, 31, 23. And I heard you wrong. Yeah. All right. We'll see. I'm excited. Well, that's the thing. Like, remember when Jordan, you were asking, like, what's the what's the motivation for both guys? Uh-huh. I just I think Brady wants to just solidify it. I think every time that's, they go into one of these games, where it's like where it's like these are the two greats, and who's going to come out on top? I think he lives for that stuff. Yeah, he plays it cool in the media, but he wants to kick Mahomes' ass on Sunday. Oh yeah, so that's what I'm expecting. I think you're. I think you're underestimating how competitive Mahomes is. Yeah, I was about to say they both want to kick each other's ass. Definitely. I'm All not. you hear about is how uber competitive he is with everything, and it's it's awesome to hear because he's. I don't think he's ever going to lose that drive. It's the same thing that's made Brady great yeah. is that drive, and so I think I think both of, I think both guys to your point are super motivated to beat the other because they know they're going to be compared to each other. But yeah, the, I I, I I believe you. I believe you. I do. You've seen it with Brady. Yeah. Yeah. I respect what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I just think, I just think Mahomes, Tampa's D line is going to hurt him physically. Like not just, 
it's going to hurt bad. So it's going to be tough. San Francisco hurt bad last year. And that was arguably one of Mahomes' worst ever games. Yeah. I, by the way, I'm still mad that he got the Super Bowl MVP out of that one because what was that little could've running been, back? Could have been Damian. Could've yeah. Been Damian yes. That dude was but, absolutely the MVP of that game. Well, Mahomes yeah. brought him back, though, with some big throws on those drives. So I, I could argue either way. Yeah. Could you? Yeah. You Okay. <laughs> if you feel confident in that, that's fine. <laughs> um, what do we want to get into next? Oh, yeah. Because we don't give a F on this podcast. Um, representing Tampa in the Super Bowl is an all-black coaching staff, right? All-black assistants, yeah. And uh, that's kind of like that, that topic I brought up again because uh, John Chaney got uh, passed away on Friday at age 89. And I don't know if you guys he, – he stopped coaching in 06. I don't know how much you guys remember of him or know of him. Um, not to sound like the old man on the show, but I do, I do remember like, we, like playing college basketball video games like back in the day when I was a kid. And I always liked rocking with Temple because I liked John Chaney. And I don't know. I always think like I do, I'm a big believer in representation mattering. And even though he didn't represent me or where I come from, when you read stories about his background, like if anybody hasn't uh, read it, go check out the Sports Illustrated piece on John Chaney from 1994. Um, it was written by Gary Smith. And it's just like, where that man came from to become the coach and like the symbol um, in that community for, you know, overcoming all the things that, you know, people of color have to overcome to be successful at that level. Uh, it's, it's like, it's jaw dropping. Um, and for me, what it did for me as a kid is probably just seeing him on national television and seeing him coach at a high level probably went a long way to eliminating any um, like racial bias that might've seeped into my life growing up because I didn't come from uh, neighborhoods with like diverse neighborhoods or diverse schools growing up. So it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't, and I probably didn't think about it as a kid, but I just think, you know, our backgrounds, I think, in a lot of ways shape what we think about these things as adults, these situations. And probably that's the one takeaway when I started to think about what John Cheney did for the black community is definitely more profound than me. But I also know I was a fan back then and I can't explain why. And knowing what I know now and how I think about these situations now, I think what it did was because of what he represented in the background he came from it just maybe helped some, you know, subliminally eliminate any biases I might've had growing up um, in high school and in college and just going through life to where I would think a certain way about a certain type of people. And I think that's just what it did back then was, was probably more profound than I thought it would be growing up. But as I think back about it now, it might've done that. So, but I just wonder what, what representation means to, like people of color, like, you know, when, when, I mean, Jalen, like it's still in Jordan, it's still not like where it should be because you look at the WNBA for an example, Jalen, I think what 89% of the league is either black or women of color players. Right. But yeah, you only have two and this goes a little bit deeper. It's not just people of color. It's also gender. So you only have two black head coaches in the WNBA. Both of them are male. 
So you don't even have representation from a gender perspective, let alone backgrounds and, 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 and racial, uh, you know, shared experiences. Um, and then for Jordan, like trying to find, you know, some kind of footing in the professional realm of basketball, like, do you want to go overseas and play? Do you want to be a coach? Cause you're training kids now. What is so like, just for the two of you and Jalen, you can start. What is, what does representation mean to you when you see someone just, just broadly speaking, when you see someone that looks like you doing something that you maybe thought couldn't be done before? Yeah. Um, well, first off, we now have a black woman head coach, um, in Dallas. Nice. Yeah. That's she right. just got signed. Um, so that's awesome. But, um, you know, I think of growing up as a kid, um, you know, obviously I'm mixed, um, light skin, whatever you want to say. And I remember growing up and watching like Candace Parker and Skylar Diggins. And I like wanted to be like them because literally like one thing about Skylar Diggins, I was like, we both have the same like curly hair. Like that was just like so cool for me to see like, Hey, she has curly hair and she's like good at basketball. Like I want to do that. And like something like as simple as that, like pushed me to like want to be like her. And I was getting like, she always would wear her like thick headband, like right here, like at the very top of her like forehead. And I literally was like, I want to wear a Sarah Diggins headband. Like I want to do that. And so like, I rocked that for like two years in like middle school AAU just cause, but like, just like stuff like that growing up, like allows you to see that you can, you can do that. You can be like that. Someone that looks like you is, is that good is put on that high of like a pedestal. Like it just, it just gives you that like extra drive a little bit to want to be like that and gives, gives you that like you can be like that because someone looks like you that mm. is there so um yeah I think that's that's the biggest thing for me that's like what I can think of like right off the bat um as growing up um and now like you said 80 you said 89 yeah I don't even know but at least 80 percent of the league is black and so um I think that's just super cool and hopefully you know like we just had Vicki Johnson Johnson, I believe, is the first um, black female head. Well, right now is the only black female head coach um, in the league. And then hopefully, you know, we get more. And then especially with our leadership in terms of ownership and all that type of stuff, um, I think that'll bring in more as well. So um, it's all kind of just like a cycle a little bit. Um, and so you just have to, you have to start somewhere. And I think that's where John Chaney was um, big too, because especially for him, his thing was, um, opportunity um, mm -hmm. for those kids in those tough, tough backgrounds like he came from. Um, and so just to give someone the opportunity to be able to show what they can do, um, no, no matter their race, how they grew up, how they live, um, I think it's just a big thing. And so I think, you know, opportunity is just huge and hopefully more black coaches, more female coaches, more black female head coaches um, can get the opportunity as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, just to piggyback, like, I think just in athletics, like, growing up, just seeing people who play the sport you play that look like you is always motivating and inspiring in any way. So in that representation, that's always been huge. But I think now for me, even more importantly, getting into, like, media space and, like, trying to, like, be a better writer and all that and knowing that there's people that look and have gone through similar experiences to myself that are in that space is definitely comforting and nice to like have and I just still think like if you bring up opportunity I still think it's 
still a select few that have that opportunity like at this day and age like even like me and people that like are trying to get into that field still so i think it's just it's it, it the representation has been nice but we there there's ways to go with it and i just think that now with all the awareness being brought to it it's huge so we can take the steps towards the right direction so uh i'm glad that it's even just something being talked about and i'm glad that uh, we're bringing more awareness to it but i guess um on an NFL level, like that's where I, I just think it, it can be more. Cause I think the, like for us, like, I, I don't know. I think we've all had very unique and diverse coaching staffs in our experiences with Creighton athletics. And I just think that that means so much. And so like, for like, to just bring it back to what Matt was saying about the bucks to have them be in the championship in this like first year that they put everything together and like to have that, like, uh, diverse coaching staff I think credit to that because I think we all just know like having diverse coaching staff goes a long way and that's why I'm glad to see it ended up in a recipe for success and I mean you can go both sides like Chiefs too have very diverse coaching staff and uh, I guess if we're just bringing it to race so I just think there's so much value to it and that's what I mean like I even want to say like I, I just wanted to bring up the point like Tyler what do you think even like I just think that having diverse coaching staffs means so much and like there's a reason that those coaching staffs and even I think to all our coaching staffs are great. And there's a reason why they were so successful. Like we had when we had such diversity on it and whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, to, to your point, it's just like having those, that diversity there, whether it's coaching staff or players, you know, in, in general with my experience, it just, and I think this is kind of what Matt was alluding to at the beginning. It's like, it, it opens up different perspectives and that's ultimately what, you know, helps, mm -hmm the conversation move forward, whether it's about social injustice, racial injustices, or just in general, just learning perspectives. And so, you know, I, I agree hundred percent as far as, you know, having diverse coaching staffs, number one, for people that are younger, looking up to that and, and see somebody that looks similar to them, they can aspire to be that, but more so just even if the teams that are, you know, in place at the time can learn from people of different backgrounds, different experiences, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, from my perspective, we talked a little bit about it at the beginning. Um, you know, I've gotten into high school coaching. And so I was really happy with our coaching staff earlier this year. Um, and it would have been back in the summer when a lot of these, you know, um, racial injustices and movements were really at the forefront. We're in the off season, but our head coach made a point to organize Zooms just like this with all of our teams because our basketball team is a mix of kids from different backgrounds. There's, you know, white, black, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's quite a bit of a mix on our basketball team. And so our coach made it a point to where we wanted to further that conversation, even just within our teams, like, Hey, what can we do better as a team? What can we do better as a school? And really it's just like you were just alluding to a second ago, it's having that conversation. And that's, what's been encouraging about the last year is conversations are taking place that, you know, should have should have been happening maybe but just hadn't been for whatever reason um right wrong or indifferent so you know that's what I tried to kind of preach and bring to the table as an assistant coach on our team is like hey look I've you know prior to going to Creighton you know I maybe came up from a similar bubble that some of you guys are living in because I went to the same high school and going to Creighton you have teammates that you know come from all kinds of different backgrounds you look at our teammates from all across the country multiple countries you know, multiple races. And it's like, it's just, it changes your perspective for the better, I think, just to learn from different experiences and continue to evolve your way of 
of thinking. And so it's, it's kind of a long-winded answer to, I think it's just the beauty of conversation, the beauty of kind of understanding perspectives. And I think that's what Matt was getting to is that perspective that he learned kind of as, you know, secondhand looking up at John Cheney. It's just like, a, it's a different perspective and it's an evolving perspective. And I think that helps everybody out in the long run. Well, I think like that's way, the way we normalize it is by mm-hmm. you normalize the conversation first, then you actually address the issues that are being highlighted in a structural way. Right. So I think when you, you know, when I talk about the kind of the inherent bias that I might have had as a child, had I been only exposed to a certain um, type of people, a certain culture, it's hard for you to learn and understand when they clash, right? Like who's right, who's wrong. Do they belong together? Um, and I'm not like justifying that behavior, but it's hard. I go, I keep going back to the thing that Kyle Corver said um, when they had their uh, conversation with um, Rachel Saunders and Josh Dotzler at the, at the arena um, this, this maybe this fall, I think it was. Um, he comes from that, that background too, that, you know, there's only a certain type of people that he's in his community and he, it didn't, it wasn't until he went out into the world that he learned, you know, that his eyes kind of opened a little bit wider. And I think it goes back to, you just don't know what you don't know, he said. And that's, that statement stuck to me because it's like, he's a hundred percent right. Because maybe you're not uh, trying to cause harm to a certain uh, culture or a certain race um, or a certain ethnicity, but just by your background of, if you don't have a diverse background, if you don't have a broader perspective on life and people that you uh, interact with, it is hard for you to understand their plight. So you can say, well, I got problems too. just deal with them. You know what I'm saying? So you don't really, you don't really relate to the structural systemic problems that some that like the uh, black community faces on a daily basis because you haven't experienced it. So it's hard for you to understand it. You just don't know what you don't know. So it's I think that perspective, comes- exactly. And yeah. even then I would say too, it's, you know, obviously I still don't fully know what, you know, the, the black plight is because again, I haven't experienced it personally, but I've been open to at least to perspective wise. And I'm open to listening to it as well. And I think that's, I think where you're headed to, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think that's mm-hmm. kind of where you're headed to. It's like, that's the you know beauty of getting that perspective and, you know, actually then, being open to a conversation and listening to it and trying to, again, further the conversation. Yeah. And that, I, that's what I think. The con- and I think as, uh, when you look at the, when you look at the power structure, the decision makers are still predominantly white. So that's like, that's what I mean. Maybe there's just an inherent bias there to when you're, when you're in a hiring process, you're looking for people who share your uh, qualities, share your background, because you can relate to all of those and try to, and then maybe you can map it out in terms of a future outlook, right. In hiring. Cause you're like, okay, I know who I am and I, and I think I have good qualities that make me successful. So I should look for those in other people. And like, I think what was, who did a study on it? Um, I can't remember what study it came out, but it was, I think 82% of athletic directors in that basically make hires for college football and men's basketball. And obviously that includes women's basketball because they have men's basketball. They usually that's a one-to-one because of title nine, 82% of those athletic directors making those hires are white. White males. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yet your player background is, I think, 54% of Ben's college basketball is African-American and 43% of the player base player base from um, women's college basketball is African-American as well. So you're having – so, you like, again, the power structure shifts downward. So you have white – predominantly white ADs hiring predominantly white coaches for the most part in the sport who are then recruiting predominantly – african-american players and i don't know i think i think what the conversation hopefully does by making it consistent by normalizing it by making it constant we can flip that demographic uh a little bit because i don't i know it's not i know that the narrative is just hire the best person for the job but i don't my my always my my pushback on that is always isn't the best way to like teach something or to learn something and then teach it is by doing it yourself. Like I understand there are other avenues to becoming a coach, but if you're playing, don't you have the best background to learning the game? I mean, how else do you understand the intricacies and nuances of what you're trying to do without having those film sessions, those practices, those game situations, all those repetitions that you had throughout your whole life of learning how to play the game. So it should translate, right? You shouldn't have these, disparities between what the coaching base looks like versus what the player base looks like. Does that sound, I mean, am I wrong about that? No. Like, does, does it, do, am I no. coming out from the right, right perspective? I agree. I just, I just think what it is, is from coach, from a coaching perspective, I think it's that the, co- like the coaching is a microcosm of just race period, because it's like what we see even let's just put it on the NFL level. Like what we see is there's just not a lot of black coaching trees, right? Like, cause that's mm. what this all is. Like the hiring process through all sports. It's like the co- it's the network and the coaches networks and whatnot. So I think it's just, we literally see a lack of black coaching trees or what have you, or just minority coaching trees, whatnot. And then that's just because it's because black coaches have to prove more than white counterparts and so there's less in that position because it's just been that way and I just I I think that that's been the way it has been for a long time but now I think we're opening our eyes to realize like look at how many black successful coaches there are in football in college that just never have been promoted or anything because it was just like oh they were just having success where they're at instead of being regarded like as a part of uh like a Belichick coaching tree instead of having to prove yourself for however many years in a, like a Southern conference. I I don't even know like what football leagues you can bring up, but still, I just think that these coaches don't get the credit that they deserve. And now we're talking about it. So I think we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Jalen, what do you think is the, the impact of the conversation? Like, cause you, you had a pretty unique perspective in, in the wobble in Bradenton because you had to react to the outside world from an isolated perspective, but you were with like-minded people who understood who could relate to the situation. Right. And I just wonder in your experience down there, what did you learn about what the power of the conversation, the power of, you know, speaking out when it's time to speak out and keeping it going and driving it forward in terms of how it can cultivate change Cause I don't know, you know, I don't know if you would have felt, did you, did you feel comfortable stepping into this space? If you just go back to 
the person you were a year ago versus if you actually had to experience all these things um, this summer with the, with all the, with the entire league, basically in coordination with the NBA too. Um, and kind of, you, you, I remember you talked about how powerful that was for you. And I just wonder uh, what you feel like the power of conversation can do if it, if it's consistent and it doesn't go away and it doesn't die down in, in order to cultivate change that's actually meaningful. Yeah. I mean, I think the, well, to, to your one point about if I would have been as comfortable, I think I would have, but probably I would have been comfortable, but not as comfortable, if that makes sense. Um, not that the league forced me, but they kind of did <laughs> um, to just really like think about these things and really have a voice. Um, but it was just so impactful being with everyone, like you said, like-minded people, um, everyone, you know, supporting each other too was a big thing. Um, there's not like literally one person in the Wubble that was against, you know, having Black Lives Matter on our jerseys or on our, yeah, on our jerseys or on our warm up shirts, um, having Say Her Name, you know, um, broadcasted before. Um, I, so I think it was just um, super impactful. I mean, shit, we flipped the Senate um, <laughs> and the WBA, like just from conversation and power like, move, power move. Yeah, power like move. it, it sure. obviously has an impact. Um, but, you know, as Black people and as women, I mean, women have obviously had this happening with them as well. Um, with the WNBA, just as an example, like everyone looks at the WNBA and they're like, oh, girls can't play, blah, blah, all that fun stuff that all the trolls say. Um, and so, you know, it's like, we're used to this too. And the fact that we are black and women, it's just like, well, hell yeah, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> like we're, we're like the as two biggest, you know what I mean? advocates for it. So, um, so yeah, it's just super impactful. Just have conversations, like you said, keep them consistent. Um, is just keep the voices out there that was our big thing i think this this summer too is just you know every game we had a new um like person let's say her name whether it was um brianna taylor um i'm not blanking on the names right now but um just literally just having that conversation out there and letting people know like it just just brings so much you know we got we got more love for it than we got hate for it i mean i don't think anyone really like i mean the senate was a different story but um but just like the, even like I say your name stuff, like it was just people talked about how it impacted them. Um, and so it was just, I think super great that we did that super important. And the fact that we could just all come together too, um, as we, as we should as black women. <laughs> yeah. I think what, I think what you guys did too, and then NBA too. I mean, just every, the whole movement, I, I definitely was not comfortable stepping into this space and having, we were what seven episodes into this thing. We've been talking about it every yeah. week. Um, if you had told me maybe in May to start this conversation, facilitate it, can you keep it going? I don't know if I would have been comfortable doing that. So this summer, as much as I thought my, my experiences in the world had pretty much centered me to understand that not everybody has it on equal footing. I don't think I would have been comfortable articulating it. And if I hadn't just tried to inform myself this summer of how it all comes, how it all starts. Like, it's not just, these aren't just isolated incidents that are causing uproar. The uproar comes from just one incident after another stacking up on top of each other 
and it's it causes a lot of pain i think that the pain part of it is what resonates with me the most is like you see people players coaches getting interviewed and they can't even they're 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 professionals so they're trained to lock it in when it comes to interviews and not show too much uh you know not reveal the whole truth essentially and they couldn't even stop from breaking down in in real time on camera and it's like if the pain is bursting at the seams that badly how can you not listen to it? How can you not try to understand it better? And I think that's what the summer did for me. And I'm glad that uh, it kind of opened my eyes to what a platform can do if you continue to have useful conversations and and try to listen to different perspectives because the conversation will breed the change. If you make it, if you normalize it and you make it consistent and you come at it from a good faith perspective, we will change the world like that. It will happen. Um, because awareness does that. And so from Tyler's perspective, like you said, dealing with a diverse team and having those conversations this summer, I'm wondering how much it opened your eyes, how much it changed you to the same question of Jalen. Would you have been comfortable a year ago, confident in your uh, you know, ability to have a conversation like this and understand different perspectives as you were after what this summer did in terms of opening everybody's eyes a little bit wider? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would have been tough, tougher, I think. Um, you know, I, I think I, one thing I could speak to for sure is I, you know, let's say I have that conversation prior to going to Creighton or prior to experiencing, you know, different backgrounds and cultures, then it's, you know, it's again, it's like my perspective is completely flipped in that regard to where I do think to your point, though, last year, you know, whether it was the summer or extended, you know, spring, fall as well, like, did further that conversation and made it a little bit more normalized to have that conversation to, to your point where, whether it's a year and a half ago, uh, you know, maybe I wouldn't have felt as comfortable or as sure of, you know, being able to, you know, voice that opinion more, more so what, what I wanted to make sure I did in those conversations is because like I said earlier, there's, there was going to be guys in our program, you know, freshmen, sophomore kids in high schools that maybe from their perspective, being, you know, younger to 13, 14 years old, hadn't really gone out into the world, no fault to their own, but they might be thinking, you know, they just don't know what, why we're talking about it. And so I guess I wanted to kind of put myself in their shoes and say, Hey, look, you guys might not have gone out into the world yet. Might have already be in your um, bubble right now, but there is some merit to listening to this conversation and trying to put yourself in other people's shoes. And so that was kind of where I wanted to put, you know, myself in their shoes and make sure it wasn't just a waste of time from their perspective in the sense of, Hey, this is something worth talking about. This is something worth you listening. And, you know, there's a reason why the conversation is starting to evolve. And so that was, I guess, my goal for that. And I'm, I'm glad our head coach kind of made it an initiative to have the conversation because, you know, obviously, you know, he, it's not necessarily, he saw it as a problem within our school, but he saw it as something that can still get improved within our school. And that's just a microcosm of, you know, the, the country as a whole. So I, I, I think that was just something that I was, it was cool that, um, you know, our head coach did that and I was, you know, glad to be a small part of it, I guess. Yeah. I think that's a good point to bring up because you kind of have to follow somebody's lead from a mm-hmm. position of leadership, right? They have to almost like Initiate. invite invite you into that space a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that's, it was kind of easy to be emotional this summer. And I just tried to, I just tried to listen more before I formulated how I, not how I felt about it. Cause I always felt pretty strongly, but how I wanted to articulate the 
the what's wrong versus what's right versus how to fix, how to make it mesh better. So, you know, following athletes on social media, following the movement, listening to people, listening to podcasts, reading books, like you have to just educate yourself on that background and how those situations occur and why they occur, um, why some of them are intentional um, to understand that it needs to be fixed, right? Otherwise you just don't really relate to it. So I think like, I don't know, for Jalen and Jordan, like, did you need someone um, in a position of leadership to take that first step and then, you know, kind of metaphorically reach out their hand to you before you felt comfortable speaking out on your experiences and, and just the way you felt about these situations? Or did you feel um, inspired anyway by just the pain that came from this summer because it's like enough is enough. Like which one, which one had more of an impact on um, your willingness to, to have this conversation, to not worry about the ramifications and to, and to keep driving it forward as much as possible. Um, I would say a little bit of both um, just like, cause in the league, you know, I was obviously a rookie. And so um, as a rookie, you kind of just take a step back and like let everyone else <laughs> talk when you're like the, the, right. the five-year vets, eight-year vets are going to talk. But um, I think um, one, especially on our team, Elizabeth Williams, um, she was, she's on the um, executive committee for the player association. Um, and she just did a good job of like talking with our team. Um, and so I think she was that kind of hand, um, um, you know, like, telling us like, even though you're rookies, like you guys can talk, you guys can, you know, do whatever um, if we didn't feel comfortable. And so, um, like I said, a little bit of both, but um, I think especially in the wobble, it was more of getting that, um, that hand reaching out and extending to you because, because you are so young and you kind of let the, the, the older, um, older vets talk a little bit. So. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I think for me, it was a lot of, like you said, like listening and kind of gauging how it was all just because I remember during, I guess, like probably a year ago, like, or when that, all this really started going on, I just kind of remember being like, there's going to be so many reactions either way. And then I just think in having, like I'm saying, like in having a diverse friend group, like I like to think I have, um, I don't like to make judgments too quickly about whatever it is and all that so I really like I didn't know what to think of every everything really and who to really just um like look towards I guess to answer your question but I I really tried to like educate myself and just to be like this is where like where we talked about progress so I just really tried to understand what was progress versus what wasn't in that time and I think I finally got to uh, a place where I'm able to get that now I guess in short are the things you are the things you didn't understand about it going in that you even you learned I mean I'm, I'm trying to for me, it was an entirely, it was an entire learning experience. There was nothing where I felt, I mean, I felt like I knew some issues because they've come up before. I think, you know, the Trayvon Martin situation is one that probably had a pretty big impact back when it happened. So I would these, say the these biggest conversations impact, were normal already, but I would say, I just, 
the the thing for what really opened my eyes at that time is I think I finally it was the first time I ever because I never really was like into oh, what are the policies and whatever what are, why why does it I, I think I just was like oh like this has happened in terms of like police brutality or whatever I was like oh this happened has always happened in my life or whatever I think the last year around this time was the first time I or George Floyd I should say I'm saying like, like it was last year but was the first time I was like, oh, what are the policies? And I learned about police immunity, and those kind of things. That was probably the first time I dived into that heavy type of understanding of what's actually going on, so. Yeah, Tyler, was there anything eye-opening for you um, that you feel like is relatable to the situation in sports? Because this is this is obviously a we can weave down different avenues here with this because yeah. I feel like we talked about it last week, right, Jordan? Like how it's all connected it um, in some in some strange way. Uh, but like from from the perspective of raising awareness to the disparity of leadership, right? Because if if like I said before, if if you need a hand to kind of guide you through it in order for you to first feel comfortable about being open about these situations and and speaking your piece and and not being afraid of what comes after it should it be bad um how does what was there a moment where you're like okay the conversation should be normalized and here's why and here's like who um kind of inspired me to not be afraid to speak when it's time to speak you know there's there's times to listen and there's times to talk was there a moment for you at all um, that you can recall? Maybe not even the summer maybe before where you're just like, yeah, when these situations happen, it's important not to, it's important to show, show support through, through your voice and let people know that they don't go through this alone as opposed to kind of being, you know, in that silent middle ground that feels one way about it, but isn't vocal about it. Yeah. I, I don't know if there was one particular moment, but more than anything, I think the, that time period last year, um, you know, within the last year was a conviction of, you know, something I had thought about is, again, I, I talked about it before, as far as, you know, list the act of listening and being open to people's perspectives. And I think that just confirmed it even more so because a lot of times, especially last year, if there's people that you talk to, whether it's friends, acquaintances, people that you come across that are quick to dismiss it, then it's, you really like, it. I think for me, that's what it showed where it's like, well, and, you know, at the very least, you can at least listen to it. You may not agree 100%. Nobody is ever going to agree 100%. That's the, the beauty of diversity, but diversity of thought. And so I think more than anything, that's where I became even more, you know, convicted in the sense of, you know, just being open to hearing different perspectives, different, you know, conversations. And at the end of the day, like, like I said, you're not going to agree 100% with everybody from every different background. That's just the way life is. That's, that's almost the definition of you know diversity of thought and so I think for me it was just about you know maybe speaking up a little bit more when people were quick to dismiss you know a conversation where it's like well you know maybe there is another perspective that you might not be thinking about and so I, I don't know that I think to me there wasn't just one moment it was just kind of cool to see the conversation just becoming a little bit more normalized yeah totally I'm 100% I'm Jordan I've crossed off everything on my list you got anything Man, we want to we want to we want to tackle. I'm glad this is awesome. I don't want to keep y'all too long, but this has been great. Yeah, we got a little trash talk in. We got our little reality in. Like, 
But I mean, I do think it is important to keep this conversation going. We've all talked about yeah. why, but you just look around and it's like the NFL had three black head coaches going into the year. They fired one, they hired another. Um, the Texans hired a 65 year old. So it's like, that, does that really grow the, does that really grow the opportunities for, you know, minority coaches in the league? I don't think so, but Tampa Bay having their whole staff uh, minority helps like Jordan said, build that coaching tree a little bit. Cause if they can advance, then they can provide opportunities for other people like them. And that's how, it, that's how growth happens. So, but I do think the conversation is the, the linchpin for it all. It starts with that because if you normalize that, then you normalize understanding. Um, like Tyler said, you normalize diversity of thought. So even if you're not in lockstep every single part of the way, you, you, you find that common ground because there is a lot of common ground that isn't being utilized right now yet. Right. Um, and I think that's the whole thing. That's the whole point of a conversation is to find common ground. You didn't know existed where you felt like I've got my ways, you've got yours. That's, and if we, and if we mingle in between there, that's our common ground. Like, no, there's more evolution there to happen. So um, conversations like this need to continue in order for that to happen. Normalize the conversation. You'll normalize the evolution of society and you'll just normalize a better world for everybody. So that's the bottom line. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Jalen and Tyler for taking uh, your you afternoon, guys. your afternoon Sunday away to talk a little trash, to put your chief's predictions on the line. So we have them on the record. So that way when, Brady, when Brady goes, for it. Out, you know, <laughs> you're ready. The medicine's ready. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you guys hopping on. Hope it was, hope it was a good, good time for you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good to, good to see you all. Cool. Yes. All right, that was episode seven, everybody. Peace.